This week on Out Now with Internet, we are talking the color purple. I may be black. We may be podcasting. But Abe, we're here. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! How are you, Aaron? You know what? I, I'm doing well. I had a I had a nice Christmas holiday. There you uh, go. I spent with my uh, my grandmother and my uncle, and uh, I'll tell you this. I uh, I have the... Uh, you can't see it, but I have a bit of a winter beard going. A winter and, beard? Oh. And my, my grandmother approves of this beard. There you so, go. Yeah. Okay. I look forward to having a fully bearded Aaron in like a few months. We'll see where we'll see where it goes. Okay. Um, I also enjoyed a lot of gumbo over the holiday, which is always, okay. always yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. I heard you, you said Gumby, uh, and I was like, oh, I didn't know you. I'm more of a Davy and Goliath fan, so yeah. That, those oh, are the references oh, we're doing. Davey. Um, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. I'm still up here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, so I'm I, I might have uh, some nieces and nephews running around in the background. I like you say the Pacific Northwest, like you just finished the Oregon Trail and you're waiting to get your ride back. That's right. Yeah. I'm trying to see what my final score is and how uh, how I stacked up against the rest of the world. No, no one got a, no one got a broken leg or cholera. No. And I've got four four wagon wheels and four axles full, full load. Just to make we just to make sure we had a Gumby reference, Davy and Goliath and Oregon Trail. We're really gotcha. cracking it on this 2023 podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into film, be a poster spoiler for your view, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun baby topic. This is episode 561. 561. Wow. Already. There we go. Yeah, it's very purplish. Uh, exactly. And that's the, the core of this week's episode where we're going to discuss the color purple, mm-hmm. the musical adaptation of the stage musical adapted from a book. All of that. Yes. And That's joining correct. us, joining us to do such thing, we have from Lenoir Artur. When he pushes the button, Huckleberry Pie is delivered. It's Terrence Johnson. Hello, hi, Terrence. I was definitely wondering what song I was going to get, and you got um, to. <laughs> yeah, pu- push the button is, is one of my favorite numbers in the <laughs> in the musical. So thank you for that. <laughs> how How are you doing? How was your Christmas? Um, my Christmas was pretty chill. My dad came down to Southern California. Um, his birthday is a couple days before Christmas, so he came oh. down, and I made a reservation at a fancy restaurant, and he got here, and he was like, yeah, let's just do something regular. And I said, well, it's your birthday, so we will do what you want to do. So I canceled the fancy restaurant, and we just went to, like, a regular place. Um, and then uh, we went to the Lakers game on Christmas. Wow, okay. Which was, the game was sort of a mess, but he mm-hmm. enjoyed getting to come down here and sort of chill out and uh watch the Lakers. Be yeah, the, that's great. What is it? The is it the crypto stadium? What is it called now? Is this still in called crypto.com? In my mind, it's Staple Center. Uh-huh. And it probably will always be that. Very right. much so like Twitter. Oracle. Well Twitter. Oh yeah. Oracle yeah. Park is AT T Park or Pac Bell. Yeah, uh, I still call it Pac Bell from Denver. Yeah. You know so the Sears Tower. But it's crypto.co arena is the name. Crypto.co arena. Not even yeah. Good lord. <laughs> Boy. Yeah, I yeah, uh, I wonder when those naming rights expire because you know, I wonder how that company's doing. Yeah, just... I've I've thought about that a lot lately, actually. Mm-hmm. Where it's like they did like a ten year, probably ten year plus naming rights agreement, and yeah. will Way crypto be around in five? Yeah, 
Well, you know, Ben, Ben and Matt, they they're backing it. So if they don't get, <laughs> if they don't rename the crypto.co, they might name it like you know, project like Laker Light or something. Fortune favors the bull, Dave. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Remember when Matt David would tell us that weekly for like a year? <laughs> yeah, especially during the Super Bowl. Yeah. Is Affleck in that too, or is it just Damon? I think it's just Damon, but I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, was that a commercial? I thought you were talking about what he said to Effie Brown on Project Greenlight. Oh no no! no. <laughs> Remember he told Effie Brown, "Fortune favors the bulls." <laughs> he was referencing both black filmmakers and cryptocurrency. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> like you, it, it's all in one. <laughs> I hope Effie Brown is doing all right. I I, uh, <laughs> I look days. forward. I look forward to drive to where Ryan Gosling's like, meet me at the crypto.co stadium. And I'll drive <laughs> you off. Yeah. As the opening. Yeah. As the opening. Yeah. It's a callback. Yeah. Um, all right. What are we doing here? We're talking color purple. Let's get into some show notes. Uh, first up, we're almost at the new year, which means a lot of things, mainly a lot of bonus shows coming your way. Um, we're hopefully going to get a couple more like mini episodes covering perhaps poor things and maybe the iron claw. Yeah. Um, and uh you know there's other movies that are gonna get wider distribution in january so probably have full episodes covering some of those films um we'll see what happens as things shake out but that also means there's a top 10 episode coming up as well um, which is always a lot of fun um you'll be hearing a lot of different voices from many guests as well as you know our main top 10 episodes so stay stay tuned for that that should be very enjoyable uh what else a new commentary track we talked willy wonka and the chocolate factory to close out the end of the year Mm, with our commentary tracks um, that was a lot of fun to do. We had a lot of thoughts on Willy Wonka and Doll and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, check out that one. And um, Abe, I haven't told yes. you this yet, but um, we've just we've we've come up with the theme for the first few months of the commentary tracks for this coming year. I dig it. We're going to discuss for the first five months of the year all five Pirates of the Caribbean movies. This is a good theme. That's, that's all five all, all five, five of them yes that means we're going to do the good ones thoughts and prayers and Ooh, the other ones thoughts <laughs> and prayers we're, uh, it, it just gets progressively uh, more just because once you get incredible. past three yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll see where we'll we land on, on, on the latter ones although i mean making another one wasn't marco robbie supposed to be producing another one or something i mean everyone's making another one of something that's what they oh, say <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll see what I'm actually shakes out Godzilla. of this uh, if if Godzilla starred in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, I'd be all about. That. Oh my god! <laughs> and not as like a not as like a monster, like a kraken type thing, like like one of the captains of the ships. <laughs> I want Godzilla to be a ship captain. Yeah, one of the ship. Yeah, he's like he's part of the pirate circle or whatever the hell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With all the others, <laughs> he has his own medallion or whatever that he puts into the pie. <laughs> oh god, the thought of that is so funny. <laughs> We should but be yes. writing this. Why is this? This is a free podcast. Don't think I'm not taking notes <laughs> for, for that screenplay <laughs> we're always putting together. Back. I never listen back. But uh, but yes, we uh, <laughs> as opposed to our theme of where we take like random movies and all put it, we're just going to do a straight series for a change. We're going to do uh, month after month yeah. pirates movies. So be prepared. Why? Why not? Is the answer to that question? That's exactly That's... the answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's not an anniversary or anything of that new, nature. We're just doing it. Like, well, you guys haven't finished the other series for a, a bunch of other movies. We'll get to it. We'll yeah, we're still uh, we're still two behind on Star Wars. Uh, we well, we've done finish the Back to the Future series. We we've we've got we've I don't know we rarely talk about Back to the Future in this podcast for some reason. Like <laughs> <laughs> we like we didn't remember we didn't talk about Indiana Jones for the longest time because we just talked about all four movies and just stopped. Like, and then they finally made another that. Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> so we, we, like, had okay. to, we had to talk about it. We did. Uh, I think just Die Hard three and no others. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> best one. It's, it's not bad. It's one of the time. I love Die Hard. I love Vengeance as much as the first one. Yeah. Uh, we we finally finished The Matrix pretty recently, even though we did it uh, three one two. That's the order. <laughs> oh, so we, we still haven't done four, I guess. So we haven't finished The Matrix. I was reminded the other day that the Matrix fourth one mm-hmm. only came out two years ago. Yeah. yeah. Aaron For told some me reason, that. I feel like it came out. Both last year and ten years ago at the same time. The it's Matrix okay, Terrence, is eternal. Like, the COVID time frame has really shifted a lot of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I have so even. I I'm seen, just like, wait a minute. I haven't what seen happened? the final Matrix, so yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't know. Yeah, if you if you told me there were five or six trolls movies, I'd believe you. That's how time has shifted my reality. This is, is, yeah, that's I, a great point. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, speaking of the Matrix, uh, they were shooting in San Francisco on on the street where my office used to be. Uh-huh. in 2019 and then you know the pandemic hit and uh, it's great yeah, yeah. I, re- I recall you telling us about that there was a, yeah. <laughs> they, were, they were shooting some major I was like oh over. look they're hanging up uh, Keanu up in the, the rafters there so yeah anyhow that's a uh, COVID pre-COVID timeline so I yeah. wouldn't worry about it Terrence it's, it's foggy for everybody <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that's our that's our commentary plans for the yeah, coming year. Yeah. Um, so that's show notes. Uh, well, no, well, hold on. First up, if you're enjoying this nonsense, <laughs> iTunes, iTunes, and Spotify, those are places you can find the show. Those are places you can also give us a rating and review, which would be great. Pop some of the so old charts. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's move on now. Let's uh, let's get some uh, out now quickies. Trademark. Each one that we 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 that we we that we that we that we that we that we that I'm still in the Pacific Northwest. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I've been watching a lot of uh, children's stuff. Uh, we've talked about Blue. I've, t- I've talked about Blue in the past. It's great. You should go watch it. Um, but we watched Home Alone. The kids had never seen Home Alone. The The oldest is nine, and the and her brother is seven. Um, and they'd never seen Home Alone. And they enjoyed it quite a bit. So uh, I think I've got some more followers for the Home Alone clan. Did, were they like, this is just like Skyfall? <laughs> where he they've, they've previously seen Skyfall when they were five and five and three uh-huh. and, uh, yeah they're just like oh this progression is just exactly like the end of Skyfall yeah. <laughs> setting up traps yeah now while I do believe that every child is, is due one to two scarring movies of their young life <laughs> why were you having them children watch Skyfall at five? no they were they were watching Skyfall they were watching <laughs> Okay. The scarring movie that I'd have them watch when they're like nine or maybe a, a few years older would probably be like The Science of the Lambs or something. Graveyard of the Fireflies. Yeah. Because oh, no. you lure them in because it's animated. I would never make them watch that until they were like 35. <laughs> <laughs> that's too That's too depressing of a movie to, to watch as a young child and be like forever impressioned <laughs> upon how horrible things can be. So, so you watched Homo. Did you watch Merry Little Batman? They did start that, but oh, then well. they had to go to sleep. Their their okay. dad told them to go to sleep. Fair enough. So they they started it, and it's 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 actually to the point where uh, he gets home invaded, where where Damien uh-huh. gets home invaded, mm-hmm. and then he loses his bat belt, and he has to he decides to go after it. Um, but yeah, did you see that Guillermo del Toro? He wrote that he loved that movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not so it's so up his alley. I get that. <laughs> So I, I've got to finish. I've got to see what happens to uh, to little Damian Wayne. Did you watch anything else? No, it's been a lot of uh, it's been a lot of nonstop Netflix uh, number blocks and also a bunch of uh, Disney Plus Bluey. I feel like if I ask what number blocks is, we're going to spend twenty minutes on this. So I'm I'm just going to avoid that question for now. We'll look it up later. <laughs> yeah, look it up later. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, great. Uh, Terrence, what have you been watching recently? Um, I've been watching a television show called Sky Med, which is Canadian Grey's Anatomy. Oh, okay. um, essentially, it's about like the northern parts of Canada, and it's like they have to fly people to the nearest. So it's like it's like a flying ambulance for lack of better mm -hmm. words <laughs> and so it's and they all live in the same house and there's hookups and breakups and drug addiction oh, no. and, and all sorts of fun yeah crazy stuff and crazy medical stuff um it's so messy and i thoroughly enjoy it <laughs> i have one more episode left to go <laughs> um, i'm glad that it's fun because it sounds like it's just like oh no you just good title yeah, yeah, it could yeah, be bad. Sky it's Man. a car wreck it's, every night. It's it's really juicy. And these, it has, it has uh, Iceman. Yes, Sean Ashmore. Um, <laughs> oh, that Iceman. And uh, yeah, not, 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 yeah, Val Kilmer's not co-starring in Skyman <laughs> on Parabellus. <laughs> Uh, like, is it not Sean Ashmore. It's got Aaron Ashmore. I Aaron forgot. Ashmore. He just looks. He just looks just like him. Yes, <laughs> uh, as as identical twins tend to do. Um, Never mind. I'm less interested in the show. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. Um, I've seen two movies since mm -hmm. I was last on a podcast on this show. Mm -hmm. I watched Rebel Moon. Okay. Yeah, that's a movie. Period. It was. I, I like it that was feature length. It I, was feature like, length. You're right, Aaron. It, it it technically it is a movie. Yes. Um, I mean, technically, it's half a movie. <laughs> you really think about it? It's... I <clears throat> I want to know. <laughs> I, I want to know a lot of things, mm -hmm. uh, but I want to know what about this story. Needed to be two movies. Well, Terrence, slow motion takes a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah, that's another one of my problems with it. <laughs> but like, and the reason I say that is because if you are not, that movie was two. The first Rebel Moon is two fifteen, mm -hmm. and it felt one hour long and four hours long at the same time. Oh, wow. I, I entirely agree. Wow. <laughs> yes. And and my thing about it is, if you're going to draw these characters this thinly, mm -hmm. I'm fine with that if we're moving. Like, that could have been one three-hour movie. And not that I think it would have been good, but just, like, story plot-wise, it would have felt tighter and compact. So not only knowing the fact that there is another two-hour movie coming, but that this man is going to do a director's cut. Mm -hmm. So there's two three-hour movies coming. Like, what in the world? <laughs> what in the world? Um, Darren, I, I was holding off on watching because uh, Aaron reviewed it and I asked him, should I just wait for the director's cut? And he's like, maybe. That's <laughs> like, okay. I, and, but my, my thing about the director's cut thing is like, you're making a movie for Netflix. Since when do they have time requirements? Just make the three hour one. Yeah, that was a question I asked for Aaron too. I was like, it's Netflix. Shouldn't they just be able to be like, just let's release this whole thing all in one? They filmed, if, if you filmed enough to make the three hour movie, just go ahead and put <laughs> it out there. Yeah. Well, Terrence, you know it's better than having a lot of views on two movies. It's having a lot of views on four movies. Oh, <laughs> got it. And if, yeah. and if we're lucky, a squeeze together version so you get the fifth movie. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, Zach, I know you wanted to make a Star Wars movie. 
I, I think George Lucas might need to take you to court. Um, <laughs> he, might, he might need to take you to court. Um, Lawrence Kasdan and them, anybody who's ever written a Star Wars project, we might need some litigation. Um, Terrence, it was heavily inspired by it. It wasn't a direct ripoff. Yeah, heavily inspired. <laughs> Just like, you know, cheating off of somebody's paper. You're heavily inspired by their answer. Um, and then I watched Fire in the Sky. Okay. For the first time. That's not the quite that's not the one I saw coming, but okay, go on. <laughs> yeah. It I I wanna give them credit for just how absolutely wackadoo that third <laughs> act is. Um It doesn't jive with the rest of the movie, but it is crazy. Hmm. I so I enjoyed it, but I I kind of I kind of wished I obviously it's based on a book by somebody who says that they were abducted by aliens. Mm -hmm. So the movie is going to show that or going to show this. I, I just want like what would that movie have been if we like just had to take those guys' words for what happened rather than seeing a reenactment, hmm. essentially, of what happened. Hmm. I think that's the stronger movie. And so, like, all... It didn't... I'm like, okay, I'm fine going on the crazy ride of you believing that this guy was abducted and then seeing it from his perspective, which is what happens in the third act. But, like, their perspective... It just it, it 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 blurred the lines between being subject to film and an object of film. And so I think sort of in that beginning part, it like it took some of the enjoyment out from me because I'm like, we if you would have been a little more mysterious in the beginning and then had that thing in the third act and had us really wondering whether or not that actually happened to him, I think mm -hmm. that would have been a little bit stronger. But given the fact that the person who wrote the book is the guy who says that he was abducted, they sort of added stuff in there. And so mm -hmm. it it kind of hurt the movie for me. Yeah, so 1993's Fire in the Sky. Was, this, was that a Terrence dad watch with you? Or was that you? No, this was a, it was in the queue and I just decided to press play. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's, at one point, I, uh, I'm happy it exists just because I'm like, there is no way in hell a studio would ever let them do what they did in the third act now. Hmm. And so it was really fascinating to watch it from that perspective. Movie I haven't seen in a minute, but um, I I do recall like the horror aspect of it is stronger than the sci-fi aspect of it. That's always in my general. Yeah. Takeaway. Hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think if we could have been in just like these guys come back one day and they're telling everybody their friend was abducted hmm. by aliens and we don't see a reenactment. <laughs> of it that would have been that like that's a stronger that's a stronger film so okay, okay. Yeah. great I love the I love the 90s callback just in time for the 30th yeah. mm. I, I'm sure it was the intent um yes you yes you absolutely know that i was trying to watch a movie from <laughs> something with the three and next year's next year i'll be trying to watch stuff with fours yeah, you'll you'll, you'll finally uh, you'll watch um, 
<laughs> watch Quid Show for the anniversary. Just to, I've know. actually seen Quid Show and love it. It's a great it, so. movie. Yeah, but, but who doesn't like watching it again? That's what I'm yeah. saying. That's true. I mean, yeah, yeah I might need you to can watch. Uh, you can watch that. And you can watch uh, Marty. That's a Quiz Show reference. Um, all right. <laughs> I've seen a few things. Uh, Abe, last week I told you that I, I, sp- I split my quickies in two with the, the less serious version last week and the more serious version this week. Yes, I remember. Uh, so I got a few things here. First up, okay. initially, just to point this out, um, a friend of the show, Marcus Robinson, was going to be on this podcast. So I, I had this movie in, or this film in line uh, to talk about with him on here. But it's Kevin Hart and Chris Rock headliners only on Netflix. <laughs> because uh, Marcus <laughs> is obviously a huge Kevin Hart fan. He can't stop talking about him. Um, <laughs> I, this is a We're just a, slandering the man while he can't defend himself. Exactly, that's the most fun. That's why it's why it's great to have a podcast. <laughs> and, um, this is a doc on Netflix about this tour that Chris Rock and Kevin Hart went on, where they're both like headlining the show. Because like, what it would, how crazy would it be if two headline comics were on the same show together? Um, this is. I know saying this that Kevin Hart's married, but this is like the most divorced dad energy doc I've seen in a while. As far as like the amount of ego that goes into this, where it's these two guys and you watch like bits from like the current day, but it's a lot of like interviews of them and other comics talking about how great they are. And it's like, I'm not I'm not opposed to the idea of praising certain comedians for being good at what they do. I do question how much of a on the level Kevin Hart is with Chris Rock, who I think is the better comedian, but I can't deny that Kevin Hart certainly, you know, he's has amassed a lot of uh, fortune from the fact that he sells out stadiums for his shows or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Regardless, it's not a very good documentary. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's so focused on praising them and other comedians talking about how great they are, where it's like, I like, I, I'm certainly, you know, there's other Kevin Hart docs for sure that talk about like his flaws or whatnot that are just better done. But like, this is a lot to, yeah. to handle as far as being like, so we're just not doing any depth at all about them. It's just more of how they, they, they came from little and what rose to greatness. And that's the end. Like, yeah. that there's no drama in here whatsoever. Yeah. That reminds me of like, uh, I don't know if you watched the Conan O'Brien can't stop documentary where he was, mm-hmm. it was made when he lost his show on NBC yeah. and then he was kind of like in interim. That's a pretty fascinating look at Conan O'Brien. It really uh, is. Because you're like, oh, he's actually not that nice all the time. He's like really tired of his job kind of thing. And so I hear you when you're like, oh, it's just overly effusive praise of a comedian and and maybe just jump in here. I like both those guys uh, yeah. enough. And, but yeah, when, when you're doing something like this, um, it's either probably just like a commercial factory or why are you even wanting to do this, man? It's not even it's not even enough that they're praising themselves and others are. You have Dave Chappelle coming in like during their concert, basically to get on the stage to tell them how great they are in front of an audience. And it's like, what? I mean, that's <laughs> like, kind of cool. Special it's cool, but it's also like, but that's like how it closes, basically, where it's like you've seen you've seen an hour and a half of, of like stuff championing how great they are, and then like it closes off with Dave Chappelle being like, and I agree. And yeah. it's like, okay, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's not a, of, of the things involving those two on Netflix, I wouldn't say this is a highlight. Mm. Um, I watched, speaking of docs, I did watch American Symphony. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. John Baptiste. The John, the John Baptiste uh, documentary about his, um, about his kind of rise to fame and the difficulties he's endured with, with his uh, significant other, yeah. uh, who, uh, who, uh, has cancer and she's a, a writer in her own parts and she's, you know, she has her own level of success. Um, and this is pretty fascinating. I really like this a lot, actually. I think it's a quite rewarding watch because it's not only is it like a solid documentary, it's a really nice love story about yeah. how these two people like 
work together uh, to keep things going in the midst of, you know, one person like finding the most success they could possibly have while the other is dealing with like some really harsh issues. And yeah. it's a it's a really well, I think, composed documentary. Um, I'm so that one to watching that. That one I do recommend. OK. Um, and I'll just I'll have one more documentary I'll throw in here since I have a couple. Um, this is uh, a disturbance in the force colon how the Star Wars holiday special happened. OK, um, if you are familiar with the Star Wars holiday special, a a TV special that aired in between Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back that has no involvement of George Lucas whatsoever. Um, it's legendarily terrible. Um, and this is just a really fun <laughs> doc that goes over what happened, how it happened, and its legacy since then. And it just features a lot of interviews of a lot of different people. If you wanted to guess if Patton Oswalt and Kevin Smith make an appearance, you'd win $100. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, no, it, it involves people that are involved in the special. It involves some participation from some of the stars, uh, mainly through like archival interviews, like Mark Hamill, mm-hmm. for instance, largely. Uh, even Her- there's some like archival stuff of Harrison Ford as well. Uh, it's for me, who's you know a very large Star Wars fan. It's there wasn't like a ton of new information I gleaned from this. However, it's very entertaining to watch. It's not long, mm-hmm. um, and for those that are less familiar with the Star Wars Harley special, it's certainly worthwhile um, because it's a curiosity within the history of Star Wars. How uh, but, question mm-hmm. for you? Because yeah. I have not seen this documentary, nor have I seen the Star Wars special, nor would I consider myself a Star Wars fan. How? Does that happen without George Lucas's involvement? That because that happened during when the the original trilogy was coming out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if I had to guess, it's because at Did that at that ABC time, ABC dangle a bunch. Of, was it on Disney? Did they just dangle a bunch of money in front of him? I think it was CBS, if I'm not. But like mm-hmm. rights were things were different back then, as far as like where the rights were going or whatnot. Uh-huh. And for one thing, I mean, Lucas famously took the deal to like have the merchandising rights as opposed to like specifically uh, the film rights at that point. So I don't was, think. He, so he technically, a which was a genius, which is a yes. stroke of genius for him. But technically, I would, I would, I would assume that means he didn't really have control over them mm, doing something sure. like that. And in the midst of all the popularity of Star Wars, I'm sure all the stars were like, "Yeah, why not? Like this, this seems like a fun idea." Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the and the documentary, I would say, it does a fun. Obviously, it's poking a lot of fun at this thing that exists that's not very good. However, it does point out it's like it's not like this is the worst TV special to ever air. There are other more terrible TV specials. This <laughs> just, it's just it happens to be related to the biggest franchise on the planet, so it sticks out for that reason. Mm-hmm. But it it's a solid watch for sure. I I think it uh it's a like I said it's a neat curiosity about a portion of history in Star Wars. So it's worthwhile cool. on that on that front. Um, let's see. There's couple movies we might do like longer stuff on but like maestro i keep like not talking I think, I think, about yeah i think we'll probably have like some special episodes on that. and so at this point i'll just say i i, I liked maestro quite a bit i think more than i expect and i think cooper and mulligan are great in it yeah. um so there's that and we'll see where we go with that from yeah. there um origin the new ava duvernay film i think mm-hmm. is pretty terrific and special and i'd love to have another extended conversation about that movie as okay. well um, I watched Vim Vendor's Perfect Days. Yes. Uh, the, the film that Japan was like, you know what? We don't care about Miyazaki. We don't care about Godzilla. We're going to submit German filmmaker Vim Vendor's movie as our official submission for the Academy Awards. And you and? know what? I'm not going to say that it's a better movie than those. However, I will say it's delightful. Okay. <laughs> it's a, it is a wonderful what? film um, that is very simple. It's about this Japanese man who works as a bathroom cleaner. He mm-hmm. uh, goes around different bathrooms all over, all over town, and you just watch him do his routine on a daily basis, and he encounters various things of people mm-hmm. that he knows or meets along the way. It is very much a mood movie. You're just yeah. watching this to kind of observe life. 
Um, it's, but it's it, Japanese. Uh, what, uh, uh, what was that movie with um, uh, Adam Driver? He's like the bus driver. Patterson. But my Patterson. favorite movie of that year. Exactly. Um, so Japanese this was Patterson. entirely my speed because I was in the right zone to watch this. And yeah, it's, it's a really nice film. What? Do you um, think after submitting very great but depressingly human movies they were like we need something upbeat to send to the oscars <laughs> i suppose that's part of the logic there I, I don't, I don't. the foreign language it's nuts is the, the answer process, <laughs> the process on both ends from the country selecting it to how they pick that uh, the shortlist for that award mm -hmm. is a uh, bonkers like so so much the politics of the country yeah goes into select right because zone of interest a film focused on auschwitz is london submission for um, the academy award yeah. Interesting. For, yeah because jonathan glazer is a british filmmaker but he sure. made a entirely german film right yeah. meanwhile german filmmaker vim vendors made a japanese movie that's going for japan's award i don't know what that the means world, the world's yeah. getting smaller <laughs> which I, I i like i like love the idea of that like filmmakers from all over the world making movies in in, in these different languages being chosen but it just like as you mentioned godzilla minus one a, a genuine hit and one of the best movies of the year and the miyazaki movie a genuine hit yes <laughs> and, and those feel more representative than a german filmmaker doing the film um but i am interested to see it but it's, it's, just, it's just it's wild the it's process. a very it helps that the movie is very good <laughs> that, that does that does put a bomb on it um so yeah okay. uh Two quick things. I watched uh, Corrieta's Monster. Um, great. <laughs> I don't know what else to be able to say. Like, I was very happy with what unfolds there. It's hard to kind of describe the movie. I'll get giving away too much, but just a, it's a really strong film. And All of Us Strangers, a film. Terrence, I know you have opinions on. I think uh, for I the sure most do. part, for the most part, I think is uh, really, really strong. I think Andrew Scott is pretty terrific in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, along with some of the supporting actors that also pop up for re it's hard to that's another one where it's like i don't know how to talk about this without like completely spoiling I think we'll have more about it too. but yeah yeah it's it's hard to because most of my problems come with what you would spoil mm. but yeah just uh yeah. still i i certainly say what of the things out it's right now seeing, these are worthwhile films to watch absolutely all right so that's that's my section that's enough trademark let's uh let's move on let's get to so let's get to some trailer talk we're talking about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, when it's coming out, what we thought of it, what have you. And this week we're talking Civil War. This is the new film from writer-director Alex Garland. Of course, gave us films such as Annihilation and Ex Machina. Uh, this is what seems to be his most uh, largest scale film yet um, and probably has a decent budget for an A24 feature. It features uh, Kirsten Dunst, Wagner Mora, and Stephen McKinley Henderson. All right, I'm, I'm down with that. As like journalists traveling across a United States in the near future that has been engulfed in a civil war. Uh, it, it's wild that they already made a sequel to um, what's that damn Sam Esmail movie called? <laughs> uh, leave, uh, what is it? Leave the world behind. <laughs> leave the world behind. <laughs> but, but here we are. Um, I am aware that there was certainly a reaction to just this trailer alone on the interwebs as far as, do we need this? What's going on here? Mm -hmm. But I'm so curious. Terrence, what's your take on a, a seeing a trailer for a film like this? <laughs> I, I can't say that I'm not intrigued to see it. I'm in part because, have you seen the map 
Yeah, A24 decided to deliver homework ahead of time where they showed you a map of what this movie's <laughs> what this movie's United States looks like. And it, so, if anything, I, I, I'd actually say it's fairly realistic in terms of what I could expect. So <laughs> it's like California and Texas have seceded. Mm-hmm. And, and that alone makes me intrigued to see it because I'm like, what would cause those two states <laughs> to leave the union uh and be like their own republics there there are other i would encourage everybody to go look at the map because it is truly truly bonkers i'll try to remember to put it in the show notes <laughs> um I'll, I'll i can send it to you it's it's wild to think about the the concept of it i think i'm intrigued by i'm 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 but i'm a little torn not because i'm like oh who needs to see this because you know there's nothing anything can be a movie yeah Mm-hmm. But just in like wondering about the politics of it and not like, oh, the state seceded from the union. There's a civil war, but more in like the internal stuff and like what they're choosing to show and how people are going to be portrayed. The trailer, the vibes in the trailer are terrifying. And I'm sure that's what Alex Garland is going for. Um, So, but I am intrigued to see it. Uh, if only just to figure out like what the hell he broke the United States up into <laughs> and why. Um, Cause Alex Garland is not, is, is an English filmmaker. Mm-hmm. So that, that's why I'm, I'm a little concerned about sort of the politics and how, like how we're going to portray the politics of all of these people that have split um, and what that's going to mean from somebody who's not, uh american yeah. and that's not to say that non-americans can't do american politics very well. i think it's something like veep which yeah. obviously is much more comedic than I was this gonna reference that too but like veep is very mean and nasty about american government and armando yanucci wrote it and it's kind of spot on about american government but it is very spot <laughs> <laughs> so i'm that's why i'm like i want to give alex garland the latitude he's made some very good sure. films but yeah I'm just, I'm just a little worried so yeah, yeah. okay abe how about you uh, as far as like the question goes of, hey, is this the right time? It's like, it's a movie, guys. Like, let, let's wait to see what the movie is actually about before we can, you know, expound a little bit more on that. Um, I'm very intrigued by the trailer. I thought that it was like what Terrence is mentioning. There's there's a lot of very, you know, um, interesting characters that you meet. And then you meet Jesse Plemons and he's wearing pink sunglasses without shades. And he's he asked a very a question that even I got chills from by just watching the trailer. And I was like, I wasn't expecting that question for him to ask. And when he asks, I'm just like, oh, this is the kind of movie that we're in. Um, but then as far as the the map goes, I just like how the Internet was kind of saying, like, this is literally a, a British person's understanding of, like, how the United States works. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if California would ever partner up with, like, um, Texas per se. But, you know, who knows? I'm curious to see how this world is built out. So I'm very intrigued by this because Alex Garland, I think men was like not that great, but um, it had interesting ideas, especially toward toward like the end of the movie there. Uh, but I, Alex Garland is very, he's kind of like a weird sci-fi guy. So uh, I don't know if this is going to hit any of those notes, but I'd be curious to see what happens. Um, and yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm rooting for this. I, I like that Jesse Plevin seems to be playing like, what if Landry grew up 
on a strict diet of Fox News. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, this is how he is now. Um, he, he didn't leave uh, the city. Yeah. He never left. He just yeah. stayed. And this, is, this is what he grew up to be. Um, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I'm looking forward to this film simply on the fact that Alex Garland made an original motion picture and A24 seemed to give him a lot of money to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, I that, that, in general, has me at the very least intrigued and usually pretty happy with the results. And regardless of, yes, what the greater implications are what have you or how that affects the american populace i do go on the for one thing yes just a movie also yes why not have observations being made that seem relevant to the times and have a way of reflecting reality in ways that are intriguing or entertaining or what have you also great cast here i mean we're talking about yeah. Clemens, obviously but yeah the, you know dunst wagner Mora, that's a cool like oh that's a neat lead yeah um but kenley henderson having like a very significant role in a movie, always happy to be. Um, Nick, Nick Offerman is the president. President of the United States. Also <laughs> enjoyable. So. Which I don't know if I can take seriously. <laughs> and this is also like the entire cast of Devs, um, his FX, oh, Alex Jones right. FX okay. series. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, all right, what guts people you want to work with. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I am just, I, I am, I, I like the, it noted that it has an IMAX release schedule. It's like, yeah, okay, the scale is going to be cool on this thing. I'm, I'm into that. So yeah, I'm That's, looking forward. Uh... Mm-hmm. A24's most expensive film production at 50 million. Is it the, um, that is that the I, I would assume so. Yeah. yeah. 50 million production budget. Uh I'm you know what I'm most worried about? Hmm. How do black people are going to be portrayed in this? Yeah. I'm curious about that too. <laughs> like cuz just this map this map is is so fascinating to me that, that which is why like I, I really am intrigued to see this because i'm like okay the republic of california fine wonderful that could be fun second republic of texas florida alliance the western forces and then the loyalist the most unrealistic thing about this is that if people were succeeded from the union that south carolina would also not be involved in the secession um but <laughs> like also why is hawaii part of the loyalist states they would be like we're fucking out of here we're on our own <laughs> yeah so i am um, yeah, I'm I'm because any anytime I hear like militaristic, mm. I'm just like, oh God, it's gonna be a bunch of Jesse Plemons as Landry who grew up on a diet of Fox News. <laughs> so like I hope I hope Aaron, black people get something to do. This movie. I hope I'll use that as a pull thing quote. to do. I'll try to remember <laughs> to use my my witticisms. <laughs> <laughs> What if that was on a poster? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Landry grew up on a steady diet of Fox News. <laughs> Aaron Newworth. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, Civil War opens in theaters April 26th, 2024. Boom. Stay tuned for that. All right, let's move on. Let's get to our main review for The Color Purple. What have I say? He took my sister away from me. Even if we have to part, you and me, us have one heart. How come you so nice? Don't know. Maybe you too nice. You seem like trouble. I come here out of respect. But if there ain't nothing to get, that show ain't nothing to get. There's gonna be some changes made. Get 
you got to stand up. I know my sister somewhere in the world. Someday we're gonna meet again. Keep your head held high, just like Mama taught us. It's time I be free from you and then turn to creation. I'd die before I let that happen. Good. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for The Color Purple. Alice Walker's original novel was released in 1982 and won the Pulitzer Prize. Steven Spielberg famously directed the critically acclaimed 1985 adaptation, bringing Whoopi Goldberg and Oprah into a much larger spotlight in the process. The story was then adapted as a hit stage musical that ran on Broadway from 2005 to 2008, with the revival show opening later, running from 2015 to 2017. Now we have the feature adaptation of the musical from director Glitz Bazzawilli, with Spielberg, Oprah, and Quincy Jones all serving as producers. The film tells the same story, which focuses on the struggles of Celie, a black woman living in the South during the early 1900s, as she deals with an abusive husband she was forced into marrying, and the various others in her life who help her keep her strength. Terrence, you've seen every version of this story at this point. Yes. What are your thoughts on this latest take? Yeah, I was thinking about it as you were going through it. I was like, wow, I read the book in college. I saw the Spielberg movie. My mother saw Fantasia on Broadway. And then we as a family went to go see The Revival with Cynthia Revo and Daniel Brooks. Nice. <laughs> and now I've seen this movie. <laughs> um, so I think that this this is a good movie. Let me say that. I think that I appreciate Blitz in particular as a director the marketing might have been afraid that this was a musical, mm. but he is not. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, you can show people's whole body in the choreography. Mm-hmm. The camera can move. <laughs> right. <laughs> like we can we can do these things. So I think in terms of. it, it The movie. Feels like a decent adaptation um, I think that the supporting cast is pretty phenomenal. Um, I think the, I think the movie, the challenges with this, as somebody who's seen all of these things, right? So I can only come to this with, with my perspective, sure. um, is that like in ad- adapting certain things and changing certain things and removing certain things, it takes away some of the power of Seely's narrative in particular. Um, but, so like on the one hand, Seely's got this imagination, which allows her to sing out about stuff she's not able to necessarily express out loud, which is fine, which is what you want in a musical. But the stage musical has some like direct address, mm. which is sort of in that vein. And it just it just ties things together a little bit. So I think that there's like some connective tissue missing from this story in that it's like, it feels like we're getting the hits of the color purple, all the plot hits, all the story hits, but not necessarily the full encapsulating vision of it. Like I think about C. Lee and Suge's relationship, mm-hmm. which in the book is something way more explicit. Um, Obviously, in the 80s, you can only do so much. But in the stage show, it's such a crux of the show. And here, it's it wasn't. So it's like, I was sort of like trying to recalibrate my brain as the movie was going on. Um, but it's sung well. It's acted well. But I do think that some of that connective tissue hurts Fantasia's performance. Sure. 
in that some of her bigger numbers are big, but like they don't wallop you in your spirit mm -hmm. like it did on the stage. So, but I did, I did enjoy the movie. Um, I do think it's well cast and I'm, I'm so grateful for Blitz for giving us a musical musical. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, those are my main thoughts. Okay, great. Abe, I'm curious your familiarity with the Hitler Purple and, and then what you thought of this movie. Nearly zero familiarity. I haven't read the the novel and I have not seen the 1985 movie, although I did go back and watch clips after watching this movie. Mm -hmm. So when Terrence was talking about how maybe some of the emotional beats might have hit harder if we had been able to kind of delve more into the narrative of uh, Seely, I totally I get that. With that being said, though, kind of just going into it coldish, um, this is a great movie. Like this is a plus stuff. Like this is something that I was really riveted by from not just like the uh, the way that the um, the story starts out with like music and musical numbers and musical cues, but I thought that there was like a, a pretty solid understanding of just how terrible Sidley's life is. Although, mm. again, you do get better senses of it because there's less. There's no singing in the eighty-five adaptation, but. Um, I thought that this was just really well done. I, I really enjoyed that they were able to, again, communicate things that you might not be able to do on a Broadway stage through through still a musical medium, but adding and enhancing to it, something that Aaron and I kind of criticized um, uh, in the Heights for. Because um, I was thinking about the part where she's reading her letters and she's seeing what's happening to her sister on the screen as well. It's like, oh, this is a really cool representation of something that you can't really do. You can do it on a stage, but it it might not. It might have a strange effect if if you're not sure exactly what's going on. But um, I was able to. I was able. I was really glad that they were able to kind of expand on some of the um, sort of like visual aspects of um, a stage production. Like as far as everybody goes, I would I would agree that the ensemble here is rather excellent. Um, everybody is really pulling their own their their weight, but I I just appreciate that everybody. is really invested in this i mean like uh the person that kind of set, stands on my mind even as i was watching the movie is sophia and and the person that plays sophia is danielle brooks and we've seen her before she was in peacemaker i um, mean she's been in various other uh, orange is the new black and... yeah um but it's it certainly is one of those things where i was just kind of wowed by some of these performances Um, and even Corey Hawkins, I was like, oh, I didn't know that Corey Hawkins had had uh, some of the dance moves that he had. Well, he's a theater guy, yeah. Exactly, yeah. He's yeah. he's like a Yale theater guy, but um, uh, yeah. So I again, I was really impressed by this. Um, and I didn't know anything. I didn't know what to expect going in. I kind of heard heard murmurs that it was a musical. Um, but as far as like some of the depth goes, yes, I can certainly feel that too because there's a point where I I. I I was emotionally moved at times, but there was like one point where, um, where Celie is like in her shop and she kind of finds out some information. And I was like, Oh man, like if I, 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 I think that's when Terrence was talking. I was like, I totally get it because, um, while I was still, uh, while I was still uh, touched by it, it probably would have maybe even, uh, enveloped me even more, um, But yeah, overall, I thought it was a really, really good movie. And I'm bummed by uh, maybe some people who might not know that it's a musical and might leave <laughs> disappointed. I, 
glad to hear you enjoyed it so much. I, uh, as far as my familiarity with the color purple goes, I, 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 I'm well aware of like the book and what mm -hmm. it contains. Um, I know the film well enough, although I haven't, I only, it's not a Spielberg film. I like revisit very often, uh, because it's obviously too funny. Um, but I, I, um, I, the curiosity I had was I, I knew a musical existed, but I was like, I don't know how this story works in that medium. Sure. Like, I don't, I don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. So that was my biggest curiosity in seeing this movie. It's like, I, okay, I know what this movie is. So like, how do you do that with musical numbers? Right. And I was incredibly impressed with how they did that with musical <laughs> numbers. I think it retains so much um, spirit um, as far as like how to deliver on these particular, you know, this particular story and fit that within the realm of like, you know, scenarios where people stop talking and just get up and dance and sing uh, for a film that has so much abuse in it and so many, you know, darker qualities in the midst of a film about, frankly, the strength of black women. Like, yes, I, yeah. I was pretty blown away by like how it's able to balance all those things. I can agree with you, Terrence, that without having seen the like the stage musical i'm not gonna say that the film necessarily has like shortcuts it's taking but it does i can and knowing like the book as well as i do like i'm aware that there are things that we're just not really seeing as clearly mm -hmm. as we probably could right. uh for instance her uh squeak uh oh, yeah they, they drop a whole number like to the point where i'm like she's basically a cameo in this movie that appears every now and then but right. it's like i i'm sure that there's like well, I, I, for one thing i know but like there's Curious how the musical version would have worked, but there's a lot more of what she has to go through in the midst of all this and her relationship with Sophia and what have you. Um, there's stuff like that where I'm like, or like uh, Suge's relationship with her father, who's played surprisingly by David Allen Greer, which was right. a nice yeah. surprise. <laughs> that was, yeah, Dag shows up like, great, cool, Dag's in one of these. Like, also a Yale alum, right? Uh, yes. Uh -huh. uh, so it's like stuff like that. It's like, okay, I can tell that we're not fully hitting every beat that we can. And I can agree to some extent about Fantasia as, as Celia here and like the urgency of some of her numbers versus what we see in the story. Regardless of all of that though, this is, uh, this is a hard movie not to like get wrapped up in emotionally. I think mm -hmm. it does such a great job of using this cast to really, you know, get you moved by where it goes in the story um, have you really go on this journey with Seely and really feel a lot of the, you know, for a movie that's ideally, you know, for families to come together on Christmas Day to go and see, there's a lot of hurt in this film. There's a, there's a lot of, you know, ways to, <laughs> ways to really show the struggles of people of this kind uh, in this area at this time um, and like what they have to go through in the midst of, of you know, trying to show and yet they still you know, keep getting up, keep going. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I could, you know, a, a lesser film, I think would not know how to balance that tone all that well, where it could be too jarring to go from like singing and dancing to like Coleman Domingo hit somebody again or whatever. But this yeah. movie, I think really does know how to find the right ways to present that sort of, you know, uh, constant narrative momentum and keep you mm -hmm. engaged in, not you know feeling down at times but not like too down to really get with the rest of the movie and where it goes so like yeah all of that I, you know along with all of what you guys have said like i think it really does a pretty great job of handling what's required for a film like this where i can't necessarily expect a three and a half hour movie so it can have every single musical number and make sure to have every storyline wrapped up super tightly yeah. um but as it stands i am certainly appreciative of how much of a good job it does do in giving the 
cast a, a time to shine uh blitz showing off um how well he can make a musical like this look and not feel compromised by i don't know editing and Mm-hmm. Other things that short trip the part, and yeah. the costume designer would have. like it's a you know for a movie that's set in the you know the dusty south it's a very colorful movie it looks nice it looks really good but also uh, with muted colors though yeah for sure works. like there's yes it, it's able to again balance those so when you do see the color purple you know it's like it, it makes a difference a yeah. or when you see certain costume choices or right. when they open the honky tonk like there's things like that that is really it's called the juke. <laughs> Papo's juke joint, yeah, yeah, and it, and also when she opens up her pants shop, uh, but I was gonna say that, um, uh, you know, I'm I'm not to stray too off too far off, but just in terms of musicals, um, I'm very curious when we talk about Wicked next year because I the Part book is one. very different from the, <laughs> the book is very different from the uh, the musical adaptation. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> and and I'm just like oh, so I can definitely hear what you guys are saying. Uh, from the standpoint of like, well, you know, the, the source material actually goes into some pretty dark places. Um, and while you have it here uh, and they do linger on it, it does. I think the, the musical numbers here kind of help elucidate some of the additional feelings, but also when they just go straight drama. Um, yeah, it's not. A, it, it, it certainly makes you feel worried for some of these characters as well. Yeah, I think. And I think to that to that point, I what I will say is that I do think the relationship between so part of me is like sad about some of the stuff we lost from the stage mm-hmm. from this movie, just because I think it would have made it a stronger story. But then there's stuff like Mr. And his son. Oh, like that mm-hmm. scene, that scene outside the juke joint. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this, this is obviously very obviously a story about black women. Yeah. And they managed to find a way to also tell a really compelling story about black men mm-hmm. in like the two minutes that that scene was going on. And I was like, wow, this is really fascinating. So it's like you, you do lose some stuff from the stage, but like, look at what you can gain. Sure. Um, it, I agree. I, I appreciate that. And that also separates it from the Spielberg film where if there's an area that I have issue with, it's I think the third act is very rushed in that movie. And yeah. I think this one has a, and I assume the stage music, well, I, don't, I mean, the book, uh, like there's more, there's more coming out of how we see certain developments of people by the end of it that, yeah, that feel like it, I it think, feels more well-rounded by the yeah. end as opposed to, and then this needs to happen so we can conclude things. Yeah. I think I'm a, I'm a little, I, I, I do agree. Um, I'm just a little, I'm just, it's tough because like, I, because I've seen it and I'm trying to judge this thing on its own merit. Sure. Like, you very Everybody. obviously have to make these changes, mm-hmm. but like they're Seely and Suge, I think is the biggest, I think issue with mm-hmm. the changes in that, like to you, did that feel like a relationship romantic or like friends it felt like a um not like a fling per se because I, at one point i was thinking to myself oh i wonder if she actually is really in love with suge like celia and suge mm-hmm. and and then you know they have their their song number and then they have like a moment afterward but it certainly felt like it maybe like it was a oh i'm suge i kind of just do these things you know what mm-hmm. i mean um, and so that's why I did have a question about that specifically when I was watching the movie. I was like, oh, I wonder if this 
goes anywhere because it kind of kind of comes back when when they both go to Memphis a little bit. But um, yeah, can I um chime in on that, please? Yes, I I will say I would say from my perspective, knowing what I do, it felt like a compromise to suit two sides of things as far okay. as yep what's what some people that may be more inclined to want or just be familiar with that aspect of the story i, I feel like it's trying to assuage them while also okay. still feeling i hate to say it in this way but quote unquote fa fairly family friendly as far as how mm -hmm. on the I road understand. we go with this yeah. now with that said i so i've seen this movie twice i saw mm -hmm. it at the you know big screening terrence big critic academy screen then yeah. i saw it on christmas blazing hot theater I, yeah <laughs> i see and i saw it on christmas day with my grandmother and my uncle in a, sure. in a in a very nice uh very fun oakland audience it was actually really cool to see it that yes. way um, but I will add my grandmother, um, when we you know got back from the movie, her her thought on that aspect of the story was that it was it, it was less about, you know, as far as, you know, my 80 plus year old grandmother commenting on the spectrum of, <laughs> of sexuality. It, it was the idea of less thoughts on whether or not she needs to ascribe to a certain position and more about a character who's seen nothing but hurt and pain for her whole right. life, finally experiencing somebody that has love to give and things to express that right. are not negative. And that's what she was responding to. Yeah. And that was, that was her take on how the character my feelings as well. Interesting. Yeah. So. Cause, and I, and I agree. It definitely felt like a compromise. And I think for me, I felt the compromise mm -hmm. and I was like, we're making, we're making all of these bold, choices in this movie right we are adding two additional songs we're dropping a bunch of songs quincy jones as a producer said right i want my song in the movie which taraji p henson has spoken about she was glad at first that she didn't have to sing that song and then she they started working on this movie and then quincy jones <laughs> was like put sister in the movie <laughs> um and so it just it's like those moments that i feel are so crucial to Celie's big final song sure i'm here because we because we're making compromises around that even even uh, miss Celie's pants is like i i get it narratively and i have there's enough in this story to get me to understand why she opened that sewing shop mm -hmm. and what that meant to her um and i love Anjanu ellis taylor Anjanu ellis taylor uh love to see her and things but i didn't feel the power of her opening that up because there are like there is like stuff that is that has been removed that would have made that moment feel even bigger sure or like I i'm here i'm here coming after mr buys those pants which is a great scene right mm -hmm. is like that moment in the show comes after suge tells her that she's gonna leave because suge's got another lover somewhere else really mm -hmm. and so like it's like the totality of that whole moment so even though i'm here is beautifully sung by fantasia and is a very emotionally stirring moment like i was singing along in the theater that song will always nearly gets me to cry mm -hmm. there were just things like that in this movie where i was like we're not experiencing the full power of the tale because we're not, we're not getting, and who knows the version I'm thinking about might've been 17 hours long. Right. right. <laughs> but, right. but like, <laughs> I kind of want to see your version though. And, and you know, the book, the book is there. 
Yeah. If you want to I, I love if the 4K came out and there was like an extended director's cut or something that Terrence had more is cut. Yeah. There's just, it's just like those little connected tissue moments that, particularly along Celie's journey. Like I love, I love the moment of, of them singing What About Love um, in that imagination sequence. Yeah. After seeing the flying aces, which shout out, shout out to them for including it. That was a stroke of genius. Um, you know, to, to really, you want to talk about really grounding us in black history. Um, mm -hmm. That was particularly great. But yeah, it's just like those things I was, I was missing. And Sophia, like even Sophia, there's a, there's a reconnection number between Sophia and Harpo that isn't in the movie. Mm hmm and like Sophia definitely comes back into her own. Right. And I think it it's smart to drop that number because it's a little too funny for what is happening in this movie. But it's like, it was like a nice moment and it ties back into Mr. Story, right? There, there's all these different ways it could have go. So it's like, when you start, when you start doing the, the things with these adaptations, you do have to make choices. And right. so, so it's like, even, even though I do miss some of that and it lessened my enjoyment of the movie, I still really appreciated that they made choices right and i could see where the choices were and it felt like there's like a confidence behind them even if everything doesn't work for me so i, I do appreciate that in this movie yeah. um to yeah like taraji and danielle were my mvps of this they were phenomenal sure. yeah. i'd like to talk about you know more of the cast in a bit here but to, to speak mm -hmm. to some of the points you're just making without going too far into like what's happening in the you know later part of the film um i i can agree that there's a lack of bigger wallops as you would put it to yeah. justify some of the numbers we get because i think the there's so much like emotional resonance in one climax involving an interaction between Celie and mister where she basically finds some strength to finally do something mm -hmm. that i think it takes away from you know big music where that where that doesn't involve musical numbers so by the time we get to some yeah. musical numbers for her it has less of an impact because like we there's so much it's like we let out so much, you know, steam already, right? Yeah. Uh, to you know, satisfy the audience in this light, that it's hard to be like, and now she's also still free, right, uh, or, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, which is which is sort of where the relationship with, with Suge comes in in the in this in this. I, and I would imagine, yeah, like, knowing that there's that's more like the helps. final next thing you can pull, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so it doesn't yeah. quite have certain things it could expand on because we're just you know we've truncated mm -hmm. the film. But I will say, um, what I think the musical numbers that work the best in this film are ones that feel like a response as opposed to punctuation. If you know right, what I right, mean, right. where, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. someone proposes a scenario and the response is a big dance number and musical and everything yeah. where other, you know, and it's not like it's musicals are capable of making punctuated musical performances feel yeah. in, in, like they matter. But like the ones that you're talking about that feel weaker do feel like punctuations on a point that's already been made right, as right. opposed to a response to something that's coming. Something yeah, like that's a good way of putting that. Something actually. like, yeah, something like, like, uh, like hell no. Exactly. I was, about, I was yeah, exactly going to no say hell no. my favorite yeah. song. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. There. I just want to quickly jump on something before you get on to your next topic, which is I, I hear you too, because my points about sort of like the dramatic scenes where there's no singing that some of those didn't wallop as hard. And I'm mostly thinking about when Celia learns about her parents kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh man, like I, this, sh and she, Fantasia does a, an, an incredible job of, of what she says there is incredibly heartbreaking um, because you think about, you know, what Aaron mentioned earlier, these themes of just being, uh, kind of abandoned or themes of, of kind of uh, 
uh, always being broken down and how, how, how much faith that she has in her, in her religion, but also just in people and uh, people that she's met. And then to hear her say like, you know, that line that she says there, it's like, it's a very powerful line. So I, I could feel something missing from that too. Yeah. Yeah. But you talk about like some of the musical numbers. Yes. Yeah. You're talking about hell no. And, and I like how that is a response and then it jumps into a song versus just, Hey, let's make pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Silly's no. pants. Go. <laughs> that hurts me to hear you say that because that's one of my favorite numbers in the show. No, it's it's a good number. It's a good number. But you know how it's like we're, yes. we're kind of like drawing toward like oh exactly like because I think the the Mister scene is right after that, right? Um, yeah. So it's like yes, yeah. We're drawing on like uh, uh, things are going great, and you know uh, hopefully this place gives you better memories. And then she sings about how um, it used to be like a terrible time for her, and now now she's she's made it big and. All of a sudden, we're we're uh, at a more emotional, a deeper emotional beat with Mister just being like really weird to her, and she's grown up so much. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of things that has to juggle, which I think is yeah. yeah I which, think it's a, yeah, think it's, it's, a it's a it's a credit to what Blitz is doing here because yeah. there there are you've you you know you start the film fairly singularly with Celie and and her sister to a lesser extent, mm-hmm. and then it becomes such a greater ensemble as you go on. So by the time you're in this basically the third act of the film, you have to you have to you have to keep a check on every one of these characters and make sure they resonate in some way. And I would say some may suffer a bit, but at the same time, the ones that I think have to provide the most emotional uh, value, I do think get time to shine in the right kind of way. Of course, it just yeah. I just wish, yes, that some. I mean, I wasn't not convinced by the you know performances on display as far as singing goes or whatnot. But at the same time, yeah, that there's. There, I, I, there's probably a version of this, likely the stage version, that where the, those numbers do resonate in a, a sure. you know, a bigger yeah, so way than they do. To give you an example about about Miss Celie's pants, like right before that number, she's she's gotten the call that she's gotten the store, right? So we do see that in the movie, mm-hmm. and then she like is addressing the audience. She's like, "I got the store; it was a dusty mess," and she was like, "But I'm gonna fix it up. I like, and I know how to make pants, so I can change the cloth, I can change the waist, I can change the print." I change the pockets. The only thing I can't do is quit making them. And that sort of direct address, it's like a, it's like a, a fun, they, they went for sort of like more emotional sincerity. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're pointing out, Aaron, is really interesting in that th- because the ensemble has gotten so big to that point, even though we know this is Celie's story, mm-hmm. we've had a lot of emotional highs and lows with everybody. Sure. In a way that's different than on the stage or in the, or even in, in the book, it's like, right. She's, she's writing the letters. So um, it like, doesn't feel as, it feels like the punctual, like a punctuation, like you, you mentioned, right. it's like she's gotten the store. She's had a vision. She's had a, not a vision or a flashback from her, with her mother. And it's like, okay, I'm going to make these pants mm-hmm. versus it being like, I've got this store. What the hell am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I can make clothes. Let me make these clothes. Right. And now, now we're into the number and it's like, oh, I'm so successful at doing these right. people actually really like what I'm doing. And I feel, you know, great and wonderful. And then here comes Mr. In to try and buy a pair of psychedelic. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, it's they were on discount, Terrence. Yeah, that was that was great. Yeah, that was that was a great the payoff of that in particular was really, really great. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, there's there's some stuff. Yeah. Speaking speaking of that store really quick, shout out to Dion Cole for looking unrecognizable as <laughs> Alfonso the father who's the the, the worst. He guy. shows up earlier and I was like, is that Dion I... Cole? <laughs> He was, was he being interviewed by Jennifer Hudson? He was like, yeah, I'm in the movie. I was like, who the hell yeah. were you in the movie? And I really had to think back. Because I, I thought I recognized his voice. And I was like, I think that's Dion Cole. And then they kept showing him. And I was like, that doesn't look like Dion Cole, though. So yeah. like, I don't know if he, if he gained weight for the role or whatnot, but he just he just looks heavy. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. like mean. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, I don't think that's Dion Cole. Like, but, I know, uh, you know, he's not, he's not typically a stocky guy necessarily, but he just looks no. like, he looks menacing here. It's like, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> uh, to, to, to piggyback off that, let's talk about some of these performances. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Terrence, you already mentioned how um, uh, uh, Taraj B. Ensign and, and I think Daniel Brooks were your, your MVPs. Uh, but yes. you expand on that and anyone else that you might have uh, really responded to? I, Daniel Brooks, Daniel Brooks is going to be a lot of people's MVP. And, just like it's so funny every version of the story it feels like we we're we're back in the oscar 1985 land where it's like do you prefer <laughs> you know suge or do you prefer um sophia um and i think danielle does a really admirable job with it mm-hmm. in a way that you firmly believe this woman is this woman mm-hmm. um like it's even even if oprah did not become the billionaire that she is and all in our public consciousness. And she's been in our public consciousness for like 40 years, yeah, 50 years. Yeah. 40. We're not that far. Um, <laughs> but, but like, you know, it would be hard to step into that role because it was such like a star making performance. Right. And I think she finds ways to make it uniquely her own. Obviously the music helps her. She's a great, singer she was tony nominated for doing this on broadway and you can see why uh she's really really enjoyable i was really taken by taraji Mm because i think taraji had pressure in a different way in that literally everybody has said that taraji should play shagavery at some point in her career Mm -hmm. and she she went to school for musical theater but she didn't want to do it eight times a week so that's why she hasn't done it but Mm -hmm. she's like a suge avery type she's played suge avery type women she's very personable got a big personality right can act and so it's like okay so it's like the weight of being cast as like a suge avery type in some of your other roles and then having to play the part is like a really challenging thing and right. i just think she did such a phenomenal job of of digging into the the depths of that character push the button is is my is my favorite <laughs> i'm just thinking about her talking about how she was going to enter and then how she entered that number from mm-hmm. the water <laughs> really, really tickled me. Um, yeah, I, I just think she did such an admirable job with that. Um, mm. So yeah, they're they're far and away my MVPs. I think, but I also, I really I love Corey Hawkins. Yeah, I, 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 I think him. he does a lot with a quiet character. Yeah, that scene by, with by comparison, go outside mm-hmm. the juke joint is so brilliant yeah i i was pretty moved by that and it's very it's like 30 seconds yeah uh, and so yeah. um so yeah we can we can we can stay talking about the women i just want to give one shout out to a man <laughs> sure um, yeah. 
And then because I mean, the women make the story. Well, just to 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 back to back up on or to piggyback off of what you're saying about Suge versus Sophia, not that these be a versus, but like between the mm-hmm. two of them, like they're both big characters. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, something I appreciate about the Suge character is that there's, you know, in the midst of being this larger than life personality that, you know, everyone's excited about because she's a singer and whatnot. She performs so expressly where Sophia's just, you know, she's. She's, you know, <laughs> stubborn and bullheaded and gets her way because she's a you know, strong character. Mm-hmm. Suge, I think she has to she gets to in addition to that bigness, she also gets to do a lot of subtle moments where she's observing a lot of what's going on around her, particularly between Mr. and Seely. And without having to say anything specifically, she the way they incorporate her position in the story to get you know uh, allow Seely more of an outlet i think it, it, it's really well handled sure. on taraji b henson's part the way she's you know you can see it in the facial expressions and the you know just just the ways an actor can do things that don't necessarily require dialogue to right. express them i think really yeah. well to what you know what the, she has a greater relationship with more characters than sophia necessarily has i think that that works in her again it's not about verses but i mean it works right, in, right, right. Yeah. As, as why is one as as why as far as why one could prop up uh, tarash b henson so much i think it's all all of those things combined really yeah, I, yeah. And, you, and you hit on something really interesting because it's like in this version i really felt like i saw like suge selfish is not necessarily the best word but like sure. In this one, Taraji really let us see that, like, in a way, Suge is always noticed. And now she's noticing somebody. Mm. And and what that it means, right? Every, everybody's right. everybody's so happy to have Suge. They have a whole whole town in the damn street blocking the car. Yeah. <laughs> they they sing like, a song that Suge Avery is coming to town. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's like here. So she's in this, like, intimate setting and she's like noticing this other person right and and what that does sort of knowing Celie and not even in like a oh I pity this woman way but just in like I'm noticing something there's somebody there right and and what and what that means it's and it, it helps sort of change you know her entire life really yeah maybe um, expanded thoughts here? yeah my MVP is Lucy Gossett Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he no. in the in the little bit that he's in, he is very strong he's, as well. He's very menacing and like, yeah. just, I he know you're kidding, but like, but he has like crusty old bastard down really well in this movie. <laughs> That's not my MVP. My MVP is, is certainly uh, Danielle Brooks and Taraji B. Henson as well. And basically, you guys have, have said all of it, but I I just want to add that they're they're essentially. Um, Kind of like very related, related, just just on different parts of the spectrum. Because Sophia again is she's in town, but she's also very like what Aaron said, stubborn and bullheaded. And then Taraj Bianson, she is also kind of her own person, but she's kind of like gotten out of town, uh, but still kind of uh, everything that everything that helped her get out of town, she still has. Uh, versus Sophia, who is everything she still has has kind of kept her in town. Um, but I like that the arcs that they both go on, which is self self uh, self journey arcs. And I, I think that the, something that is sort of not a criticism, but something I don't like as much in movies is when they kind of just flash dates on the screen. Just okay. Like casually. Because like Sophia got fucking locked away for like six years. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long fucking time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where it's like, 
this woman was on top of the world, living her own life, being her own woman, gets into a, a scuffle in town because it's the 1930s at that point and racism and Jim Crow is like uh, starting to like raise its rear ugly head. And then she gets imprisoned for six years. And it's a it's crazy how much she has gone through. And then she kind of breaks out of it with like the, the Thanksgiving scene. But you know, um same thing with like Shug. I, I enjoy her just being like super loud and flashy, but like you were saying, she's like a quiet operative. She's like, I don't want this to happen. This person has been abused and this person is kind of like um hasn't really experienced anything. Let me help them experience some things. So I think that's where to answer your question earlier came of um what did I think about their relationship and I think Aaron kind of hit hit it on the head correctly, which is like family friendly style. I think that that's where if I had watched a different interpretation of this, I'd be like, oh, this this chick character is like, she's literally like she could be like a, a an angel in disguise. But um, as far as everything else goes, yeah, the the ensemble is great. I love Corey Hawkins, great dance numbers, but also just what he's able to do, become his own person while not while not you know succumbing to. The, the normative pressures of his father and his grandfather is, is mm-hmm. a really good uh, part as well. I mean, just a shout out, Colin Domingo, I think, is very effective as Mr. Oh, yeah. As, as an actor who I always want to like when he's on screen, he really he really digs into yeah. making him despicable. Um, and hit, hit us while, with your Colin Domingo impression. While also, you ugly. Uh, while also... <laughs> uh, <laughs> say say really that again, good. please, for posterity. You ugly. Um, it's... Very good. Very good. <laughs> I can see him saying it right now. <laughs> the teeth. <laughs> like you're. I'm. 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 I'm picturing him like with his hat on the side, not fully on, like to the side. He, he's, he's doing like his in. eyes are. His eyes are mid squint. The teeth yeah, are way he's in front. Leaning in. He's leaning into the camera. You ugly. And it's just <laughs> maximum, but I do think he's and you know and I you know Danny Glover is he's pretty menacing when he wants to play a bastard in movies he can play a bastard in movies yeah. and he is really he's really awful yeah. in the color purple. So. I, I know I talked about like the the women having the challenge of of, of what came before, uh-huh. but Coleman Domingo might have had that. People still don't people our parents. Mm. People our parents' age still like low key, not hate Danny Glover, but hate Danny Glover for playing. This that's guy. why he needed to do four lethal weapons to be like, I'm just a dad. That's too yeah, old. Nice, like, nice yeah. I, I am getting too old for this shit. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Domingo, who doesn't get a chance to sing, does he sing? He doesn't sing, right? He, he only sing. plays banjo. He only plays the banjo. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's a he's a very talented, you know, stage performer as well. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he has he has to you know be the guy delivering the brunt of the the, the of the abuse throughout this thing, right? And it's not fun to watch. Like as, it, it is effective as yeah. charismatic of a screen presence as he might be. It is a challenging thing to you know watch people that you genuinely like constantly. Get, there's a whole scene right before he's like shave me, and where he mm-hmm. just just beats Seely, and it's so yeah. disgusting. And like you're sitting there. You know, with so much tension in your body because you're like, well, where is this going? As she like grabs the shit, you know, the knife, and we're about yeah, to see yeah. things play out. It's it's a lot, and it, and that's what I'm talking about. Like when the pressure gets relieved, when like you finally see your stand up for yourself, because there's so much built up tension there. 
and just knowing that this character has to get some kind of comeuppance at some point. Right. And then, because compared to, again, the Spielberg version, which I think, I don't think it cheaps out, but it just kind of like, it skips over, I think, more that could have been done to not necessarily redeem, but certainly give you a perspective. Mm-hmm. This movie has enough going on for you to not necessarily connect with Mr., but certainly like have a perspective on him that makes the resolution and finale of this movie all the more powerful. Sure. Uh, it is to everything else going on with the other characters. Yeah, I, I like that his power is taken away, essentially, by the end mm-hmm. of the movie. And then he, he actually gets kind of a redeeming arc, too, with like the invitation part. That's what I was saying. There's the, it, it does enough to... Yeah where it doesn't feel out of nowhere. And I don't think the Spielberg version makes it like, and I'm not trying to constantly compare it. But like, I don't think it's an entirely out of nowhere thing in Spielberg. Spielberg's doing what he's doing, but it does. This film felt more rewarding to see where and how things progress to get to where we are at the end. And I think that that kind of comes again, the way that it's kind of Terrence, correct me if I'm incorrect here with like the production, the state production version of it. But yes, this there's like this mean guy, and he's he's so alpha and bravo and macho. I don't know why I said alpha and bravo, alpha and <laughs> macho. Um, but um, and then he gets to this point where I actually really like his physical tics. Um, toward like when he's been when he's kind of been cursed, kind of thing. Especially like when he's crawling through the mud and he he accepts the letter the next day. Mm. Line is just so broke. Is like I just want to sleep under the under the stars. Mm. <laughs> um. But then it it isn't one of those things where where Seely or you know a person that he has wronged just straight up confronts him and be like you were trash. It's like no, he sheepishly goes into it because he accepts that he's a like a piece of shit um, and he's done wrong and he's finally accepting that that maybe he yeah. is the asshole in the room and that's more powerful to show of like a person you know, fully, fully realizing that they have been a terrible person versus like having like, you know, a dramatic flare up between two of like, look at me now, you know, and I've got this great shop and yada, yada. It's like, I, I really like the way that they, exp- or not exposed, but the way that they portrayed Domingo's arc in this movie. Yeah, they definitely did a good job of, because I think it would have felt false if after that dinner sequence, um, which is always great. It's great in every version of the mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. watching Seely be ready to slice this man's throat open uh, at mm-hmm. the dinner table um, and putting the curse on him. And I think the movie does a good job and Coleman does a good job of of showing the redemption just doesn't happen 0.2 seconds after that dinner sequence. Yes. Exactly. Like, and this, this is my issue with a lot of redemption stories in a lot of things. <clears throat> Star Wars. Um, Somehow Palpatine returned. We, you need to, we need, there needs to be time and like, we need to see the downfall right before the rise back to being good. Sure. Um. So, so yeah, I, re- I did enjoy it. And I, I think to that point, I, I did enjoy 80% of what Fantasia was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that she obviously sells the singing. Very obviously, American Idol winner. Um, I think that her history with playing the character informs some of the choices that she made. Sure. I think I you know, it's it's everybody in this movie is gonna be Whoopi just set a, such a crazy high even even as much as I love Cynthia Revo and Cynthia Revo won the Tony, mm-hmm. it, Whoopi is still number one 
Sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's an incredible performance. And the songs did it in the original cast and she won the Tony, right? It's, it's, it's a great part. It's, it's tough to compare, I think, but I do think that Fantasia, particularly in moments where like Celie is dealing with the stronger women in the beginning, I think Fantasia is making some really interesting choices to, to give us like the Celie who you can tell there's like a Celie that like wants to break free from a right. the cage that she's locked in inside of Celie's own mind. And she's just doing things because she's told to, and she gets, meets these women. And then you could just see like the little subtle changes that she's making encountering all of these people and getting ready to, to blossom and grow. Mm -hmm. um, it, it speaks to how generous actors can be where Sophia and sugar, obviously big care and mister for that matter, yeah. obviously big characters that will easily take over a scene and an actor's challenge there can be to want to one up them or to do more business um, as far as making sure that they still register at the same time. And I do think that this why this works as an ensemble so well, because as much as we can have MVPs or have characters that we respond to more, I do think that there's I don't think you ever get too lost in the amount of people that we're watching and like what stories are going on here. Yeah. Uh, perhaps Squeak suffers the most just because they don't give her enough to do here. But yeah, but I, even, even then, I still think she's a presence in this movie. Yeah, they definitely there's there's a whole song called Brown Betty in the musical that's about her. Mm -hmm. And it's just where they have her in this movie. And she's like, you don't give her like all own songs. Right. <laughs> yeah. Even, but her, her said that that's part of the reason why she took the part. Because so you didn't have to have a huge. Because yeah. she's, yeah, because she's like, she got offered a lot of stuff and everybody wants her to be in a musical, uh -huh. which is because she's phenomenal. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> I could, I could see her wanting to take on this challenge. But yeah, Squeak, I needed a little more from, I just need a little more from that. Yeah. To justify her also going to Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a weird turn. Yeah. Um, I, I have, we don't have to expand too much on it, but um, is there any more from River and Avery, David, David Allen and Grew's character in the, in the stage production or not really? I will say, well, no, I don't think so. Okay. There, there's not too much more. I will say the Spielberg version, that is an area that it does look because Spielberg's, you know, he knows how to direct people acting emotions on sure. screen pretty well. I, I know, I don't know if you're aware of that. He also, um, but, yeah, he's got some father issues. Yeah. But he, yeah, he has some father issues. The scene with Margaret, it's Margaret Avery. Um, yeah. And, um, and the I forget who the actor is playing the preacher in the in the film, but like the the scene where they have you know God is trying to tell you something, yeah, yeah that that scene registers I think a lot stronger I than see. this film does just because it's you know is as well handled as Blitz is you know doing with the with this movie Spielberg sure. knows how to make that kind of stuff really yeah, yeah. really sing yeah. <laughs> the way it needs you know, to, <laughs> and so. I think this is this is where this is where you get into like the they take a Suge is less of a mess than in the stage show and so in, in this I think they were trying to craft something more intimate and not have their relationship be so adversarial where it's mm -hmm. just like obviously your father is a preacher and you're a singer and so there's like some stuff there and you haven't reunited because of that versus like you're like an extreme drug addict and an alcoholic and you yeah. got all these diseases and, uh -huh. and, and the Lord is coming to save you I think you know what I now that I I think I appreciated this movie's take on religion and what it means to these characters. Yeah. I agree. I, I actually really I, enjoyed that. Part. I would argue this is a vision. I think it's it's getting more to what I think the novel. Does. I think Spielberg that scene is phenomenal where she busts up in the church and 
mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's great mm-hmm. but i'm like dang like god means things to different people and obviously like right. the, like talking about religion and black people specifically is 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 a very fascinating but like i just like the approach that it's not like she didn't just renounce all of her ways and start putting on floor length dresses and dressing modestly in order to reconnect with her father but like this religious song and then both having this love for music i see through god is what brought them back together that would have and been i, nice I, I really see. appreciate that yeah I, I think it plays well to you know that audience for one thing but also yes i do think it speaks to the characters as something that's not directly approached at all you know at all times sure. but mm-hmm. it informs scenes like that and it informs the ending honestly i think yeah. i think in the midst of all of the emotions going on for a variety of other reasons concerning celia and her family i the, the fact that there's a kind of come together moment without again you know, really need to go over the top and saying deliberately like what it all means or whatnot. I think it. Well, it what really does it did, mean, Aaron? It, well, let me take thirty more <laughs> minutes to talk about that. Uh, but I, but I do think yes, I do think the there's a I don't know an honest like a sense of sublime that comes out of the, yeah, the final agree. moments in this movie that feel yeah. earned. That's a great way to describe it because again, that ending is is very impactful. Um, and it doesn't end like in in a minute. It's it's quite an extended ending, but exactly again just what her faith is uh and then kind of having seeing it kind of manifest and and honestly like uh, the term love kind of manifest too through mm-hmm. her sister very impactful and i was like this is everything that she'd been hoping for all that she ever wanted was to just be accepted and loved and here are the people that are accepting and loving her back and again she has it, it kind of played throughout the movie but it didn't play too hard which is again her faith in things because i really like the line that I forget who says it to her where it's like, you know, whenever you think about these people, do you still feel the same feeling that you have when you were younger? And she says, yes. And then that, that's like God's way of saying that they're still alive. Like, mm-hmm. That's a really nice, like these are nice sentiments. These are really interesting thoughts. That should, and, right? I think that should. Yeah. Was it should? It okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then again, when the ending hits, you're just like this, she believed, you know what I mean? Like essentially at the end of the movie, like she believed and, and it's all, it's still here. It's manifesting, and it's it's great. One last thing on casting: um, yeah. Felicia Pearl Mapasi as young Seely, spot on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I mean, like Haley Bailey, Halle Bailey, I, the rhyme, and uh, you know, as young Ciara, apparently, like that works fine as well. <laughs> Do you remember how you turned to me at the end of the movie and asked me which character Ciara played? <laughs> I know, I was questioning because I was like, I haven't I seen Sierra the, in, yeah, I in a minute. The, the, the cast, <laughs> like the one-two step, was a long time ago. Was I was so, like, I was, I was like, Aaron, this woman was just on screen. <laughs> <laughs> She's literally right in front of your face two minutes ago. <laughs> Um, so, but yeah, no, I, but the, the casting of young Seely, I mean, both of them when they're younger, I think are very effective very good. Uh, for mm-hmm. what they need to do. But yeah, the, like, you know, as a, I assume like a fairly new actors, um, just, you know, to have to go and then see, you know, Fantasia having to play like what, like a bunch of different ages over time. I think the movie does a good yeah. job of aging people up with, I mean, these, this cast is not exactly, you know, not exactly going to age too dramatically, uh, but I do think it, it expresses time well enough. Sure. You can see it in Sophia when she's, you know, more downtrodden and beaten up after, you know, imprisonment. Yeah, you see the, you can see the gray in her hair and everything and whatnot. It does a good job with all those elements. Yeah. 
And John Batista's wig is is amazing. John Batista um, certainly uh, chose hair for this movie. Yeah. That's correct. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Before we wrap up, I just want to give a shout out to production team. Uh, production looked amazing in in this movie. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know who the cinematographer is, but he's got a lot of notes from. Um, it's a uh, Dan Lauston who is. Uh, is, that, is he a Spielberg? Who is Spielberg's guy? Um, Spiel, well, um, Kaminsky, but yeah, Kaminsky. Yeah. But, but and this is this eighty Spielberg disciple. is um a different guy, uh, not specific. A lot but... of a lot of like over lighting and a lot of like you know misty shadows. I was like, oh, I wonder if Spielberg I mean, made notes. Dan Lawson did Nightmare Alley. Nightmare he's Alley. He's done all the John, John Wick, Wick movies. Oh he's, wow, okay. he's sixty nine years old. He's been in the game for a long yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but yeah he's then... done, he's done a lot of uh, he's done he's he's Del Toro. He's one of Del Toro's guys. There you go. Okay, um, and uh, yeah, the John Wick. Yeah, also, but, yeah, yeah. shout out to great. him. Yeah. Shout out to him for knowing how to like black people. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. And um, still to this day. Right. God. Yeah. Uh, so great cinematography. But then, yeah, lastly, like great choreography. I forget. I, I looked up who the it Tima was. Tima Robinson. Yeah. Like when that name came up, I was like, I got to remember this name. And I didn't. So sorry. But um, but Terrence knew. Um, yeah. But Fatima Robinson, that was this, the choreography in this movie is is incredible. Um, and then lastly, just I think this might be. um blitz's thing a lot of really good transition shots uh so the editing here is really good there's some good yeah i, I would agree with that yeah. okay well i think we've talked pretty sufficiently about the color purple <laughs> uh terrence when should people go and see this movie go see it in theaters go see right it in now. theaters <laughs> abe see it in theaters yeah i i would agree i think this is a a, a strong film to to see uh you know does bring the bring the family all that yeah. it's, it's it's a really really uh really effective uh bold new vision as the tagline says of the, of the classic story oh my gosh <laughs> that uh, and the fact that the posters are just like i guess purple with people on faces on the front that's that's all it's, we need to do <laughs> that's all we need to do <laughs> yeah it's you know i think as somebody who has the book with like the original broadway poster on it mm-hmm. i'm just trying to figure going from that to this it's such a wild jump yeah like, yeah For, fortunately it's like i think i believe it was like the second highest christmas day opening of all times so, i mean people are mm-hmm. white people are, i mean the, my theater was packed when i saw it on christmas day so mm-hmm. I mean, oh yeah people are checking well, out the movie despite <laughs> it's part about its poster and lack of musical advertisement yeah I mean, it looks like it's advertising like Roku or something like that. But um, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, go check it out in theaters. And then I, I think that you'll know that it's a musical right away because the first thing that you hear is like a banjo. Like, yeah, it starts. It, it's very clear. Yes. Very early yeah, on. That's so, don't said, don't be surprised, audience members. I appreciate the filmmakers not being afraid to let you know yeah. right away. There's yeah. a musical, even if the marketing was trying to hide that. Right. All right. Well. That's been our thoughts on Color Purple. Let's move on now. Abe, what what exactly are we dealing with as far as what time it is right now? Time for a quick game. (laughs) Is this a remix? No, that's actually uh, the the music that plays when the poster carrier comes through town. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, why does this game's music sound a little different? That's how they that's how they knew that uh, the letters were coming. <laughs> uh, uh, I've got a game for you guys. It's called Finish That Lyric, a oh, boy. show edition. Aaron oh, hates this game. 
This is where I will sing talk, mostly talk, a particular lyric, and you have to fill in the rest of the lyric, the word, whatever. Um, this is not a uh, this is a buzzin game. So buzz in if you think you know the completed lyric. Um, and you don't have to sing it. Uh, and I'll have clues if you guys need it. So there we go. All right. Oh, well, oh, well, oh, well. Tell me more. Tell me more. Aaron. Aaron. Am I saying the musical? Is that what I'm saying? No, you're finishing the, the, rest the lyric. Of the oh, God damn it. Okay, Keith, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> tell me more. Tell me more. Did you get very far? Tell me Terrence. more. Terrence. Does he have a car? Yes. Does he have a car? I was waiting for the cutoff to know where I had to respond. Yeah. <laughs> Terrence, Terrence knew. He buzzed in. Yeah. Tell me more. Tell me more. Like, does he have a car? Uh, that's yeah. from Greece. So, uh, next one here. You'll be back. Soon you'll see. You'll remember you belong to me. You'll be back. Time will tell. You'll remember that I served you well. Blank. Terrence. Terrence. Oceans rise, empires fall. That's correct. Is that Hamilton? From Hamilton. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) The next one here. When the winds from the east and the suns from the west... And the sand in the glass is right. Come on down, stop on by, hop on, hop a carpet and fly, blank. Terrence. Terrence. To another Arabian night. Bang. Terrence on a roll here. Aaron, I l- purposefully did not answer that super quick because I thought to let you get it. No, I had Aladdin. I just, I, I'm trying, I have to like, when I hear Abe do it terribly, I have to I have to go back <laughs> in my mind. And, the game. I have to do it back That's in my mind. I have to redo it so I can get the rhythm going and then figure out what the lyric. I'm, I'm listening very intently. I'm yeah, listening it's intently. <laughs> it's just hard. It's hard for me to process it this way. Because it's talking. Yeah, we're not. We're not, even, not. We're not even on the beat. I don't know. We're sing talking. It's just you saying words. <laughs> Let's not make uh, sing talking. <laughs> You're not, Next. you're not, you're not, um, Chiwetel Edgy for in the Lion King. <laughs> oh, Scar. Oh, uh, the next one let's, here. Let's not. <laughs> the next one here. By the tiger. Oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> but the tigers come at night with their, vo- with their voices soft as thunder as they tear your hopes apart and they blame. Terrence. Terrence. <laughs> Turn your dreams to shame. Bang. Okay, you could just <laughs> you want to pause on the lay biz. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the only lay biz one. So it was <laughs> the next one here. You, yeah, Terrence. I, wanna, I don't, wanna, I don't know. If, I don't know if there's a real way to to help Aaron out with this because I was going to say you need to do the deep cuts, but that's probably not going to. Uh, there's out. not as many deep cuts here. Yeah. No, if there was one I was going to get, it was Aladdin. <laughs> uh, the next one here. Oh, I. I got a funny feeling when she walked in the room and my, as I recall, it ended much too soon. Oh, what a night blank. I actually don't know this. I, okay. Oh, I, I got a funny feeling when she walked in the room and my, as I recall, it ended much too soon. 
oh, what a night, blank. And then after that is, she was everything I dreamed she'd be. Sweet surrender, what a night. I don't oh, even know the movie. Oh, what it well, okay. It's um the Broadway show. It's it's uh Aaron. Aaron. It's Joyzy Boys. I know that. It is Joyzy Boys. <laughs> I'm so excited oh, for you to get point. Um well yeah, because the Clint Eastwood classic. Here, let, me, um, let me give you the showy tune once and then you might be it. Uh oh I I got a funny when she walked in the room and my as I recall, it ended much too soon. Oh, what a night. Oh, oh what a night. Hypnotizing, mesmerizing. Bang! Way to go. Got it. <laughs> uh, Aaron on the board here. I thought it was like mesmerizing, but I was like, well, what comes before? I, 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 I was like, it. oh, this is yeah. the hardest one because it's hypnotizing, mesmerizing. Like two words. Yeah, I, Jersey would... Boys, yeah. not... Among my favorites. Not a good movie either. <laughs> uh, the next one here. Blank Minutes. Terrence. Terrence. 521,600 minutes. <laughs> say, say that number again. 521,600 minutes. Can you add four more thousand to that? <laughs> You got the point. It's 525,600 minutes. Oh. What, what did I say? 521. Fuck off. Oh. <laughs> I like it. I was like, fuck off. <laughs> it's like minutes. Well, because blank minutes, I was like... It's a popular song, Aaron. It is. Uh, From a, a musical that has aged like milk. <laughs> uh, the next one here. You are the dancing queen, young and sweet, only 17. Dancing queen, feel blank. Terrence. Feel it be from the tambourine. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You can yeah. dance, you can jive. Uh, now, you, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm the one that's weird for Jersey girls with your ABBA collection. Oh, I, love, I love ABBA down. Any, if you would have said any, any ABBA song from Mamma Mia, I would have, I would have just beat you. And I was. I'm glad that you. I'm glad that the one that you, you got the one that you really desired. Just a couple more here. Oh God! Uh, softly, deftly, music shall caress you. Hear it, feel it, secretly possess you. Open up your mind. Let your fantasies unwind. In the darkness, which you know you cannot fight, the Terrence. Terrence. <laughs> oh, God. I'm gonna get this lyric wrong, and it's gonna piss me off. But the darkness of the music of the night. Bang. Yeah. yeah. Phantom. There it yeah. is, him. The last one here, and you might get this one. Uh, <clears throat> blank, 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 blank. Say it loud and there's music playing. Say it soft and it's almost like praying. Blank. I'll never stop saying blank. The most beautiful sound I ever heard. Blank. It's the same word. What the? <laughs> same word. Blank, 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 blank. Say it loud and there's music playing. Say it soft, and it's almost like praying. Blank. I'll never stop saying blank. The most beautiful sound I ever heard. Aaron. Aaron. 
Maria. Oh, Maria. I got, it. I got it just as you were going to <laughs> that, Now, that was a, that's what you, you needed to do more of those. <laughs> Where it's just the same word. Well, we did that before. Minutes. More I want to add something to work with there. <laughs> Taryn, you got two points, but Terrence ran away with seven points in yeah. the game. Finished that little Finally, a edition. game built for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe we've played this before and you we have played, at least two and you have times. a similar reaction i'm sure I have been, <laughs> i've been fighting for my life in these other games i've been playing on this podcast you finally did something that was right in my wheelhouse did you get that last one terrence just just as aaron was, oh just as aaron was okay. again yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> it's just him shouting maria well yeah aaron was right because it was the way you were reading the blanks and so i was like trying to put the words that you actually said yeah. into the the you know we're on i couldn't on say Len bernstein wrote the music for west side story yeah um so i was trying to like <laughs> hear the music as you were saying that and figure I out could what have said blank blank Rhea, blank Rhea. yeah yeah <laughs> no the way you did it was was good it just yeah that was <laughs> all uh, right uh, well, yeah well that was games thank you for that game Abe. yeah you're welcome I've certainly made the games pretty hard in the past few weeks, so yes, I'm glad to get some challenge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that was games. Let's move on now. Let's get to the Matt Now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast. We have a number of questions of the listeners, and they gave us some answers. Mm-hmm. Terrence, feel free to throw in any of yours as we go through these. Mm-hmm. First question here is, what are some great films based on around tough women in charge? Phil Pert has Princess Mononoke. Todd Libanel writes Mad Max Fury Road. Irene Johnson writes Jackie Brown. That's fun. Thelma in charge. Mm-hmm. Thelma and Louise. Okay. What you I was just reiterating oh, what the problem was. Um, oh. Gone with the Wind was the first thing that came to mind. Okay. You do love that movie. Yeah. Problematic as it is. Yes, I do. Dave, anything I have? Uh, no. The secret, world, my head. the secret world of Ariadne. Yeah, but Will Arnett's pretty in charge of that movie, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> but it's named after her. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's like a 13-year callback. <laughs> Good movie. Watch it. Uh, next question. What are some great movies adapted into musicals? Uh, Todd Lieben, our friend of the show, has Hairspray. Yes. Philip Bird has Catch Me If You Can, Groundhog Day, and Creature from the Black Lagoon. Wow. Any of the great music movies adapted to musicals? Um, yeah, uh, in Bob's Burgers, they have Working Girl and um, Die Hard. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'll name that. Okay, I'm trying to go through the the Rolodex of movies that this could possibly things that this could possibly. Be. Hairspray is definitely great. Um, uh, the uh, the producers into a musical, oh. but not oh. so much into a movie from that musical. Yes, I would say the band's visit, okay. which was adapted from a movie, uh, and that musical is phenomenal. So yeah, the band's visit. Uh, a little shop of horrors, of course. Also, oh yes, okay. yeah. there we go. Just thought of that. And it's like obviously you know that Back to the Future is a musical now. Yes. Yeah. Huh. Maxwell talks about that on this show not too long ago because <laughs> I asked him exactly he how like does it? that work. Did he like uh, it? He appreciated what they were going for. I okay. believe is how yeah. he phrased it. Yeah, I think right. it's one of those like they're doing something really cool VFX oh. wise, but as far as like the the rest of the show, I've heard yeah. it's not necessarily great. 
I hope this is a song called Doc, I'm Late. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, the next question here is You were late at a time machine? <laughs> a time machine? A time machine? A time machine? And then they dance. And... <laughs> oh, gosh. They, they, uh, they're wearing like four layers of clothes so that the, the stagehands can rip off one of them as they go through decades of dance. There's a Lorraine Love <laughs> song where they all rip off their pants and they're wearing Calvin Klein underpants. That's <laughs> all purple. That's <laughs> all purple. <laughs> <laughs> we should write this we, we'll write the our version of the musical <laughs> yeah the sweeted version our off-broadway take the, the, people's, the people's back to the future yeah, exactly they're they're releasing the people's joker right uh, the people's. yep next year yeah so there we go i'm excited for that uh the next question here is who are some great cinematic sisters adam gentry from the show writes cries and whispers philip heard writes Satsuki and May and my neighbor Totoro and the crew from Corey uh, Ida's Our Little Sister. Chris Cleveland has Joe, Meg, Amy, and Beth from Little Women. Babe, here's the thing about Little Women. They're not that little. I thought you were going to go with the Simpsons line. <laughs> and then they realized they weren't little girls anymore. They were little women. No. <laughs> um, the sisters in Pride and Prejudice. It's good. That's a good bunch. Or it's a good pair. Um... I mean, they're regular size women. That's my take on that. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say the remake of The Parent Trap. Lindsay Lohan and her sister. Um, way out of that. I don't know. Whatever happened to Baby Jane? <laughs> wow. Wow. It's a dark movie. Uh, okay. The, the Guardians. Uh, Gamora Nebula, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Look at good, 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 good uh, recovery. There. Uh, what, what's the Bianca and the other one and Cat uh, and Ten Things I Hate About You slash Taming of the Shrew? Oh, yeah, those are good sisters, though. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Just a couple, couple to lighten things up. Which, <laughs> yeah. speaking of Shakespeare, slight, so, so, slight tangent. Go on. That Glenn Powell, Sydney Sweeney movie, anything, anyone but you. It's like a much ado about nothing thing, right? Yeah. Is that not crazy that they didn't market it like that at all? Well, they had to highlight the lack of comedy between them, <laughs> all the trailers. So. <laughs> <laughs> they needed to make sure to emphasize that part first. Like, so. I, like I know we want to be like hot people in a rom-com, but mm -hmm. also Shakespeare has been popular for 400 years. Right, right. <laughs> it would have been It would have been good to know that going in, but yeah. I mean, I feel like that doesn't make the movie, which looks terrible, any less terrible. <laughs> so, but I think you could. There's like an untapped audience there of people being like, "Oh shit, I remember." It's like, not surprising that like because it's from Will Gluck, right? Who did like Easy A among like. Yeah, I'm not surprised yeah, that yeah. there's more like perhaps more meat on the bone as far as what the story's trying to do. But it still looks, and from all I've heard, is god awful. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really inclined anymore to see it because it has a literary basis as its backing. Sure. It's like, oh, yeah, we should watch the Lion King 2019 version again because it still is kind of Hamlet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hamlet. I'm, right. I'm praying for Barry Jenkins. Next, Mufasa colon Lion King next Christmas, year from now, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be on this podcast talking about this. <laughs> we'll talk about this. We'll have the scuttlebutt on it. Pause for effect. Okay. Uh, you're, you're you're still sitting at the right hand of Beelzebub, so that I just as long as you know that. <laughs> uh, what are some great films set in the American South? Hmm. Chris Cleveland has Beasts of the Southern Wild. Speaking of Marcus's favorite movies, and Deliverance. Uh, Philip Hurt has No Country for Old Men, Red River, and The General. Hmm. Red River. 
Country the South? Man. That feels like a West, right. like Western movies more than Southern movies, I would say. But people consider Texas the Texas is the South. No country it I can is? see. Red okay. River's more of like that. That's literally like crossing the West. Uh -huh. I will on on a technicality. I will allow these. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy anytime Philip chimes in. I'm happy to hear his answers. Yeah, I, I, sure. I do. I, it's, it's also nice to interrogate. He asks great questions too. And he likes anime. We get it. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> see, now I feel like I got to defend Philip because it feels like there's something shady in that. Right? Nothing no, shady at all. No, no. Uh, he, he he listens. He puts answers in every week. That's yeah. the the best thing a listener can do to this part for this podcast. Exactly. Red River is Texas, so okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Red yeah. River is also fucking great. I don't know if you know that. It's a really great movie. Just put that out there. Uh, it has a great Criterion release, by the way. Uh, other films, great films set in the South. Steel Magnolias, um, which one? Steel Magnolias. Steel Magnolias. That, that okay. That yeah. It, it's weird that like we could go back in time, but my mind was like hustle and flow. <laughs> That's like where my head was at. Not even yeah. that long ago. Yeah. yeah. Hey man, my, my two second Terrence Howard. Hey man, yeah. You've. It, it almost could go you haven't been territory. you haven't been on a roll with these impressions, but I have appreciated <laughs> hearing them. <laughs> it's it's more it's it's more cadence than sound. That's what I go for. Quick, Aaron, hit us with the hit us with Goldman. You ugly. <laughs> now we're back. <laughs> Next question: What are some notable black history films not focused on slavery? Philip Hurt has forty two, which is a really underrated film in my opinion. Uh, Chris Lynn has hidden figures. Bad Those answer. are both very good movies. Yeah. They help Kevin Costner send those guys into space. Remember when Mahershala shows up at Hate Figures being like, I'm about to win an Oscar, but I'm here just for fun. <laughs> yeah. I do remember that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got the Oscar in the bag over here, but you know what? I just wanted to show up to support Taraji. Yeah. Uh, um, does Blade consider black history? Obviously. Yeah, okay. He's, he's, he stopped. Wait, wait, <laughs> uh, do, no, Blade 2, though, right? Uh, yeah. So Blade 2. <laughs> They're 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 both black history. Yeah. <laughs> That's when Blade stopped the vampires from taking over. Exactly. Yeah. Remember when that happened in history? Uh huh. I read it in the post. You Which remember it matter. in the post? I read about it in the post. Oh, okay. Blade stops vampire takeover. It was the headline. Remember the Titans. There you go. That's a good one. <laughs> Parents with a serious <laughs> answer. Just really putting it back on track. Malcolm X. Okay. I was I was trying to think of something that was not Malcolm X or Selma. My my, my other go to because um, I I do I do think the Hurricane is really strong as a movie. I I, Ooh, I yes I, I get like that like one yeah two it's ninety nine. Um, oh crap! Because uh, it was a, like a big year like with all the actors nominated that year. It was like Jesus, mm -hmm. and then um, Benini obviously needed it. Um, but um, <laughs> we, we all uh, still he happy. Walked over all the, the seats. He walked over everybody. It was like, hey, you got your footprint on my face. And I'm like, ah, I'm celebrating. Uh, but no, the, the hurricane. I, I, I like. I'm aware that it, it changes some things around historically. However, I do I do cite that as one of my top Denzel performances. I think he's so good in that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and, the, and the movie itself is very emotionally pulling. I mean, for what it's you know having to do. So yeah, okay. All right. Uh, last question here: What are some great films featuring characters who are singers? Philip Heard has "Whisper of the Heart," "Perfect Blue," and the 2018 "Star Is Born." In notable films where your great films for singing characters. Walk mm. uh, hard. Walk hard. The Dewey Cox story. There you go. Ocean's Eleven with Frank Sinatra. 
That's a great movie, right? No. <laughs> it's a it's a rather Damn. bad movie. <laughs> it's, a, it's the kind of movie where it's like it's a good thing they remade. It's, it's a good premise. It's just a bad movie. <laughs> no kind of hesitation on that. Yeah, it's a movie uh, where you like you look. Movie. It's a movie where you look at the credits. You're like, look at the rat poking all the and you dig all these people are in here. And then at five minutes in, you're like, and this is what we're gonna do. Huh? Really <laughs> There's the I was trying. To, I'm trying to find. Trying to think. <laughs> Cabaret. All right, Cabaret. there you go. Okay. I was trying to think of. I was trying to think of. Something like Walk Hard, which I think just is a phenomenal <laughs> choice. But <laughs> to be fair, I I knew this question, so I had that lined up yes. ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my my serious answer would be Independence Day when Harry Connick Jr. shows up. You know, all that singing he does. Well, you know, he's an actor turned singer. So, but it's a great movie about you know the end of the world. Really, no bearing on that question whatsoever. But yeah, okay. yes. <laughs> but, but we love. I love Independence Day, so I'll accept it. Yes. Thank you, Terrence. I got this, Big Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking about that scene now, I was like, why would he say that? And then he goes on to kill himself. Like, Watch this. On, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this move. Like, don't do anything stupid. Get back down here. You can't make it that speed. Yeah. Yeah. It's Marine. <laughs> and then you needed just the slight homophobia. A little earlier in the locker room, with yes, him proposing, yeah, yeah. and that guy where, walking where by. Got the ring That's not over, but yeah, that was just him saying, "Hey, you guys, do your thing." Yeah, it was very funny. He didn't report them or anything. He was like, "Hey, you yeah. guys are doing your thing over there, diamond." You know, you never go go into space if you marry. I might watch Independence Day again today. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know what? I would argue that's some of Will Smith's best eye acting in Independence Day. Will Smith, yeah. Okay. I I acting. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Because he has yeah. the mask on, but he has to like react to like his buddy yeah. dying or all this stuff, or like you know, yeah, yeah. He we'll got airbags, all that, yeah, all that stuff. I think he's doing some good eye work in that movie. Yeah. Even behind sunglasses, when he says, yeah. uh, "I could have been at a barbecue." Yeah. Got your dreadlocks hanging out the back of my. That ninety six was me quoting that scene specifically all summer long, awesome. <laughs> like being frustrated oh <laughs> as if it stopped at ninety six. By the way, that I yes. knew that monologue so well <laughs> for the longest time. That would all be right. my audition reel. I would audition with Will Smith being frustrated and an alien dragging in the back of his parachute. <laughs> <laughs> I had no audition for a movie. You should do that for Chris uh, for uh, Halloween next year. We'll put it on that out now TikTok. Drag we'll a never parachute start. around with an alien in it. Yeah, that actually is a good costume. That's yeah. a great idea. <laughs> All right. That's well, our that feedback. Yeah, that was feedback, feedback, feedback. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now there. And Dave, you can find more of my work, my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I write for We Live Entertainment as well. Stay tuned for my top 10 films of the year list, which I always put a lot of effort into. So check that out when you can. And I'm on Twitter, Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more friends over my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose, hashtag Miss Seeley's Fancy Pants. Terrence Johnson, we can we'll find more of you. <laughs> You can find my work at lenoirautour.net. That's L-E-N-O-I-R-A-U-T-E-U-R.net. And find me on Twitter at Terrence B. Johnson. All right. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now Authority on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HHWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast.gmail.com. Check out our Facebook, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And of course, our Instagram page, instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. And uh, iTunes review, yeah, iTunes review ratings. Going to get those. Helps thank out the you show. So much. Uh, Terrence, thank you very much for joining us this thank week. You, Terrence, thank you for having me. For sure, and for putting a game in this podcast that I finally felt good about. I I honestly thought Aaron was going to be. It would, it would come down to the last one. <laughs> you no. 
<laughs> of, of the two of us, who who likes musicals more? Aaron loves musicals. I said I I knew the movies and the musicals we were speaking of. I just he said was gonna buzz of... in first and be like Grease, but that's not what the game it was. Matter. Yes. We're getting the lyrics down, so I commend you for doing well in the game. Of course. Yes, I think I think Aaron. What 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 did a uh, homeboy in Ratatouille say? Everybody I don't like cook. food. I love it. Okay, that's that's me in musicals. Everybody can cook is my thing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, Terrence, thank you again. Thank for you, jo- Terrence. Yes, thanks. <laughs> uh, next week uh, will be the beginning of a new year. Um, That's right. So, so happy new year to all. and hope everyone yeah. has a happy and safe new years. Um, but we will discuss something. Uh, there's a few films on the horizon. We could talk four things for a whole episode. We could talk yeah. uh, Ferrari, perhaps. We'll see what yeah. we come up with. Um, Night Swim, of course, comes out. I know Terrence can't wait to dive in that pool, so we'll see where yes. things go there. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long. And bye. Now there's something about good loving that all you ladies should know. If you want to light your man on fire, you gotta start it real slow. Keep on turning up the voltage till that man begin to glow like you're switching on a light bulb. Watch the juice begin to flow. To get her in gear. Well, here's the key to ever mortifying the specialist the best. If you don't know where it is, give her the stick. She'll do the rest.